What's happening? You having a meeting? Yep, I'm having lady problems. You know, I'd love to get your perspective on it. No! Ted, can I be honest with you? Come on, let her rip. You seem intent on going 12 rounds with yourself. Why? What did you do wrong? He's right. Time to get you some of these. What, scissors? Yeah, to cut yourself some slack. Wow. Y'all stuck the landing on that. That was nice. Tell you what, I gotta get y'all some satin jackets made. With Ted Lasso's personal dilemma squad embroidered on the back there. Uh, Ooh, that's a clunky name. There's gotta be something better here. Let me think. Oh, I know, how about uh, the EQ Warriors? The Knights of Support? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nah, sounds like a brand of jockstrap. Okay. Um, the Proud Boys. <laughs> what about the Diamond Dogs? a boy, Nate. Diamond Dogs it is. Welcome to another episode of the Revisited Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. Uh, this week, we are covering Ted Lasso Season 1, Episode 8, Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dogs. It is Episode 8. It is Episode 8. And that was I think a... it, uh, it, it's the Diamond Dogs, but it works. It's the same thing. Whatever. Same thing. <laughs> well, I, I, that was a last minute eight nine eight nine eight nine. <laughs> I'm just going to throw an eight. Yeah, no, it's you were right. Cause there's two episodes left of the season. Uh, every episode from last episode through to the end of the fat to the end of the season is a fantastic episode. Let's just, it's a banger get. Yeah. Let's just get that clear right now. All four of these episodes, these final four episodes of the season are just fantastic. Okay. Episodes. Let me ask you this then. Is okay. there a bad Ted Lasso episode episode? Mm, no, I don't. Okay. I don't know. I don't think there's a bad episode, but there are stronger episodes than others. I'll put it yeah. that way. But none of them go below like an 8.5 for me. No, I don't actually. I mean, if you look at IMDb's rankings, I don't think any of them go below an eight. Even just season one, we have, uh, no, the pilot was a 7.8, but that's a pilot. We're going to give that an exception. After that, 8.1, 8.5, 8.2, 8.9, 8.5, 9, 8.7, 8.6, and 9.1. So, that's yeah. That's the finale. That's the that and that's the season finale. Yeah. I'm um, excited. <clears throat> I'm excited to cover all of these episodes. Yeah. Me uh, too. However, there will be a bonus episode squeezed in. We haven't talked about when we're going to record it, but uh, thank you, Apple. I'm going to just say thank you, Apple TV, uh, as they have sent me a screener copy of Hannah Waddingham's Christmas special. Yay! Uh, so we already have it. Uh, I will. I will send it to you, obviously, so that you can watch it as well. And we are going to do a bonus episode, just covering our favorite parts of it and such. Nothing too deep divey like we've been doing with other shows. Just. 
and it, it's not essential listening. If you watch the special, then you can listen to us talk about it. That's pretty much pretty much what it is. Yay. But I did. And I it's did, almost Christmas time, so it's perfect. Yeah. And I did skim through it a little bit just to see who some of the special guests were. I'm not going to spoil any of that. Okay. But there are some good ones. So I'm looking forward to watching the whole thing. And it's only like 45 minutes, so it's not like a... You know. It's like a double episode. Uh, one and a half. Yeah, okay. Episode. Well, actually, some of the episodes later in Ted Lasso run like 45 minutes to an hour. Mm, that's true. The finale, I think, is like an hour and a half. Or maybe like an hour and ten. I can't remember. I wanted it to be two hours. I wanted it to be another season, but... I know, I know. But you know, we're getting. You know what? It is a perfect story. That's what I think. It really is. Uh, So, with that being said, oh, real quick, I want to make mention of this too. I just showed Kristen this before we started recording. Do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube and search "Thunder Gong 2023." It is a charity event that Jason Sudeikis holds every year in his home state of Kansas City, or uh, in his home city of, of Kansas City. And it is, there are a lot of special guests this year who do some pretty amazing performances in which, as I mentioned, Kristen and I, I just showed Kristen one before we started of Jason Sudeikis and Will Forte before Will Forte is booted off stage. And I'll leave it at that. But if you follow us on Facebook, the video was already on our Facebook page. So you've probably voluntarily left the stage. Oh, he voluntarily. Yeah. Once he's a little help from Jason Sudeikis. (laughs) Once he heard the singing, he was like, yeah, I'm good. He's like Homer Simpson into the bushes. (laughs) That's accurate. (laughs) Um, So with that being said, let's dive into the episode. And of course, before we do. Uh, we got to warn you that a little bit later on, we're going to dive into some spoilery stuff. So, although I don't think there's a lot this episode, Mm-mm. but for the sake of, you know, being safe, just check the show notes to find out what point we're going to jump into that. Or once you hear us say we're going to do it at what point you can come back to hear about our favorite quotes, feedback, because we do have some good feedback this episode. And there are a lot of good quotes that come out of this episode as well. So make sure you return after the spoiler talk for that. Where, where do you want to start? I want to, I want to, I you want to tell s- me, I want to save the dark game for the end. Okay. Cause we've been saying for a while, this is one of my favorite scenes. This is not one of, this is my favorite scene of the entire series of the show is this dark game. It's it it was one of those instant iconic scenes for the show. I mean, you can't be a fan of this show without really talking about this specific this specific scene. So, and there's a lot going on in the pub uh for this episode, but I mean, if if we're going to start anywhere, we got to start at the beginning, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. Uh, Rebecca and Ted are coming off of their one night stands with very different attitudes towards their sleeping partner. <laughs> Rebecca just wants hers to leave. And that was the funniest thing ever because she's tiptoeing out. She's like, What am I doing? Get out. Oi, get out. I Wait, love this. It. Is, this is my room. Yeah, that was wonderful. I was like, Yay. And then we get the opposite from Ted from Ted and his one night stand. And 
coming from somebody who has never done this before, <laughs> seeing him just trying to come to grips with what he did, the <laughs> fact that he's been up for three hours, so he's probably showered everything. And oh, he's just, packed and ready to go. He's got to yeah. go. <laughs> and just sitting in the chair watching Sassy. So creepy. Waiting for her to wake up. <laughs> Which in so which is in some we- some weird oddly way so gentleman like <laughs> chivalrous <laughs> for de- right yeah <laughs> it's still creepy though I mean I I just how long have you been awake three hours have you been staring at me the entire time like I you know <laughs> I just I would be a little weirded out by it but sassy was totally fine with it you know um. I did and, like I, I did like the fact that he like he got her a late checkout. He's like, take your time, everything's okay. I gotta go. But yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like that's where that gentleman like chivalrous attitude for te- because he just he doesn't know how to react to this. He's never done this before. No, no, and it, and I love it that in the episode when he's with uh, the yet to be named Diamond Dogs uh, group, where he's just like. <laughs> How exactly do I go from having a complete mental breakdown at the karaoke bar to signing my divorce papers to waking up with sassy? <laughs> it's just <laughs> like if you lay it out like that, that's a really weird night. That would go up in the charts until the Amsterdam episode as the weirdest night of my life. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree completely because like it's something – I mean, he didn't, it seems like he almost didn't have a choice in the matter because we talked about last episode, Sassy pretty much just lets herself in. She's like, hey, <laughs> you know, sorry, I mean, <laughs> and, and like, if you look at Ted and his attitude, it could have been very like, oh, well, Ted just didn't have the heart to say no. So he went along with it. But I don't think that's the case at all. I think this was something that Ted really needed. Yeah. He, he needed something that was kind of just shaking things up for himself. He needed something different. And Sassy was it. Well, and Beard, I love Beard. He's like, did you have fun? Oh, I'm not one to kiss and tell. Did you have fun? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know, like, I I know we save quotes for a little bit later too, but I did pull a couple for this to talk about the dark game being one of them, but I did pull this one too. It's one of my favorite moments early on in the show. It's when Ted, and Beard get off the bus coming <laughs> yeah. from Liverpool. And it, it's this year. Coach, yeah. something on your mind, Coach? No, why? We just had a five-hour bus ride where you didn't talk a lick. And that's a record by about five hours. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. But then I don't want to talk about it ever again, okay? Okay. I'm serious. I don't want to make jokes about it. I don't want you to give me any knowing glances. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. Last night, I uh, I slept with Rebecca's friend, Sassy. Want to talk about it? I'd love to. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think that Ted's whole point there was like, listen, of course I want to talk about this because I'm Ted Lasso, but if you make fun of me for one second, I am going to be hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he I needed- love. And, and I love, too, in that quote, how he says, like, Rebecca's friend, Sassy. Sassy. <laughs> she is sassy. I, 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 again, like, I 
I, I talked about this last week. Sassy, I love Sassy. And it's not the last we're going to see of Sassy. I'm not going to say to what degree to anybody who's who's watching for the first time. But you will see Sassy a number of times yes. throughout the course of this series. Uh, but yeah, seeing him give her the late checkout was just very, like, again, gentleman-like. He's still kind of joking around with Sassy where she says, I'm going to order a big breakfast and put it in your tab. And he's like, well, that's a pro move right there. I don't think that she was joking. I think she was dead serious. Oh, I absolutely think she was dead serious. Right. But but the best part is like he's sitting there like talking to Sassy, has the smile on his face. He's trying to play along. And then as he turns around and he walks out, he just has this fearful like what have i done look yeah right on, yes on he's just walking away and he's clutching his bag to his chest like this little like <laughs> high school first year of college boy or something and he's just like okay um i don't know if that was allowed but i did it <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, it's poor ted I, I I really enjoyed seeing Ted kind of do something different, something he never would have done before. And yeah. again, I ma- I mentioned it earlier. I think this is something that Ted needed. Well, I think also, I mean, Ted's going to go through a period now. Like he's kind of started off with a bang, so to speak. Um, pun really not intended, but appreciated. Um, he's going. He's now got this freedom. I think to kind of go through this self-discovery exploratory phase of his life now that, you know, not only is his marriage over, but he's in a totally different country. Like he, he can just be a little nutty if he wants to be a little nutty again, pun not intended. I'm sorry. (laughs) That that one didn't even pick up on until you said (laughs) pun not intended. Um, yeah, that, you know what, that's a really good point. And it's not really something I thought about before. And it's honestly something as I'm looking at Ted as a character, I'm kind of jealous of because Mm. who, who at any point in their life hasn't wished for an opportunity to just kind of go somewhere to start over. Oh, I've done it so many times in my life. You've actually done the starting over or you've wished it? No, I've, I mean, being a military family, you move to a different state, to a new community every three years. We've yeah. started over our life every three years. So I I, I am done starting over. Like, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but I mean, like, yeah, like having that opportunity, like, okay, things are rough right now. What I wouldn't give to just move to a different country, and, yes. you know, experience new things, you know, start a new job, make new friends, and just basically start a new life and ted is doing that he well he has the opportunity now to do that he has the freedom to choose that if he would like to do that absolutely absolutely but you know he's still ted too so he's going to do it in the most ted way that he possibly can yes very polite (laughs) with very very polite with as many glorious milk puns as possible. The milk puns were (laughs) fan-freaking-tastic. Oh, did they expire? (laughs) (laughs) So I have them all written down. Um, And when we get to the bar scene, we will absolutely be talking about the milk puns because the pun game was strong in this episode. Well, you know, that's why Rebecca brought him. (sighs) Oh, yeah, she even Um, says it. She's like, they're going to love you. They're going to love you. Um, Nate's... (laughs) Nate... Sleeping in the luggage cart 
in the bus, I think is perfect because of course he went there in a drunken stupor because he's like, I don't want anybody to leave me behind. So he probably just went there and was like, this way I know I'll come home. <laughs> well, because Nate still has this timidness to him where he doesn't realize how much Ted and Roy have, or, or Ted and Beard have kind of brought him into the fold. Yeah. He, he still, even though like he's, He's he's now a member of the Diamond Dogs. He's been he's had a vocal voice in coaching of the team. Nate still thinks of himself as nothing more than a kit man. Yes. And so he has this timidness to him that you're right. He still has that fear that he's he's going to be forgotten and left behind. Yeah, and I think that that's just because he and and we learn this over the course of time is Nate has a serious deep-seated confidence issue. Um mm. You know, he has a lot of self-hatred. He doesn't have any self-esteem. Um, and, you know, we learn this as time goes on. But it's obviously from the toxic work environment that he's been a part of for so long at AFC Richmond. And then, you know, when you meet his family and you see that, you know, he he will do anything for his family. I, that that That's for spoiler talk, right? Um, but when his family comes into play, it there's a lot more light that's shed on Nate um, and why he is the way that he is. So, you know, it, he's, he's such a cool, complex character. And I hate the fact that I hate him for so much of this show. But right now, and season three is really good, good Nate, Nate time. Yeah, see, <laughs> season two is the rough... Nate time. Well, see, end of season two, first half of season three is yeah. like the is like the really rough, really like, difficult. Uh, is really difficult when it comes to Nate, um, and you'll understand that when we when we get to that point. If you're watching for the first time, or you're nodding your head emphatically as you drive <laughs> your car, or work. yes, <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you how many times the the saying oh, "Nate is a wanker" is like. A, wanker, wanker. You, you could have gotten tattoos of that, and it would have. Yeah. Although, although you would have eventually ended up regretting it. You know, but uh, eventually, but you know, eventually in this episode, w- what's nice is that Nate, Nate, hungover Nate, first of all, is fantastic. I love the fact that he is in Ted and Beard's office with a trash bucket just in his lap, but he's still like a part of. He's still not only a part of the meeting, the Diamond Dogs meeting. But he's being wonderful. He's being very um, um, proactive with what he's saying. He's saying really, he's giving Ted really good advice. He gives Roy later some really good advice. And he names the Diamond Dogs. Thank you. I was just going to say that too. Yep. And it's right after my favorite little gag (laughs) in the whole show. Proud Boys. It's my favorite part. My favorite part. Yeah, it's uh, you're right. And, you know, the other thing I didn't really think about till now, too, is that he's in the office. He's clutching onto that garbage can because he's still (laughs) heaving. You have to realize, as we heard in that clip, like it was a five hour drive home. So it has easily been. You figure between the night sleep overhead, like let's say they got four to five hours of sleep from that five hour trip home. It has been about 10 hours. Mm-hmm. This is a long ass hangover for Nate. <laughs> um, in as as a woman in her early 40s, <laughs> early to mid 40s, <laughs> if I have even one extra drink, I am done. 
done for 24 to 36 hours. Like I can't even scrape myself off the couch. It's well, really but, it's pathetic. But I get like the low energy. I don't want to do anything. Part of the hangover. I get that. But to still be heaving after like 10 to 12 hours. Do you think that he drinks a lot? Oh, he no. Was doing, Nate's a total he was doing glowy blue shots with the team the night before. Well, he was doing them with McAdoo and Colin, who I'm sure can hold their own. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you just, I, we've all had those, those hangovers. <laughs> we have all had those hangovers where the, where the, the toilet's nice and cool on your cheek or the bathroom <laughs> floor feels really good. <laughs> we've all had those I'm, mornings. I'm, I'm laughing because I have had those mornings. Uh, in college and even shortly afterwards where, where you're right, you hug the toilet because in that moment, the toilet is your best friend. You're, and it's so nice and cool. That it's just, it doesn't feel hot. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've had those days as well. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, you talk, go ahead. Anybody that's listening right now and is like, you know, pretending that you don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You know what we're talking about because you have either been that person or you know that person. Yeah. Or you've been holding their hair back. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, you talk about like the best gag of the episode. I love the fact too, that during the diamond dogs uh, meeting, you know, Ted says, you know, when he's talking about like finding things out when he's when he wonders if he should confess to Rebecca that he slept with Keely. Mm. And he says, it would break my heart to find out she's hiding something from me. And then we get, we get <laughs> <laughs> the Leslie gag immediately afterwards, because he does. He gags every time he's in that awkward situation because he likes Ted. He loves Ted. Who doesn't? Yeah. Even Rebecca, despite herself, loves Ted, you know? Well, now she does, yeah. I do love in the Diamond Dogs meeting, um, the first one where they name the Diamond Dogs, is that Leslie is wearing like his normal, like everyday clothes. And you can tell that that th those are that that's kind of like he's got the flannel on. He's got like some kind of band t-shirt on. I mean, you can see his music influence in his life by what he's wearing because usually we only see him in business attire. Mm -hmm. So it's cool to see him dressed down a little bit and kind of get in um, some insight into who he is as a character early on. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I actually had that. So <laughs> if, if anybody could see my notes, I have all my bullet points and then next to next to quotes, I have a star and then next to spoiler territory, I have an S so I can keep track of everything. Ah. And, and I actually have, I was going to save that for spoiler territory, even though it's really not. Um, Leslie shirt in this episode, this is actually the first time I noticed it, um, is a shirt. It actually, it's a Dr. John, the night tripper. Dr. John is an incredible jazz artist. Uh, like, and he loves like jazz. And he loves jazz. Yep. So, you're right. We're getting those early hints to Leslie's love of music and what it music influence has on him. But what's great is that you can tell because this is not the first time we've gotten insight into Leslie as a character mm -hmm. because of his love for the busker in <laughs> make Rebecca great again. Um, no, no, in For the Children, sorry, in For the Children. So this is the second time that we've seen insight into Leslie's character, which 
I love because it shows that these characters were completely fleshed out before they even rolled tape. Oh, yeah. They had, again, they, you know, we talk about this, you know, when it comes to the series wrapping after three seasons. The writers have said, like Brendan Hunt and, you know, Sudeikis, they've all said that this was always from the start meant to be a three season story. So they had these characters developed and most of what their backgrounds was going to be was there Mm -hmm. before they even started filming season one. And, and it really, to me, it shows that most people that are making shows these days, they should go in with this kind of an idea. You know, I mean, I love Stranger Things. I love Stranger Things. But the Duffer Brothers might have done themselves a huge disservice by going from their original four-season planned arc to stretching it out because the show was so popular. And Ted Lasso decided not to do that. And I think that their show is better for it because we're, well, we'll see what happens with Stranger Things now that there's been, you know, a basic eon in between four <laughs> seasons four and five. So, you know, they're all, all the kids are now in college and, but they're still going to be freshmen in high school or so who knows. Um, that's a, that's a different subject <laughs> for a different day. Yeah. Um, no, no. But my point is, is that they stuck with their idea. They stuck their landing. They stuck their show. Um, even though the, the show itself was wildly unexpectedly popular. Oh, and even Sudeikis and all of them have said, like, we did not expect the popularity of the. They never wrote this show intending to win Emmys. I know. And they basically swept Emmys the every year they were nominated. It shows that hard work and pre-planning pays off. And and just to kind of like dive a little deeper on that pre-planning too, like not only did they have these characters fleshed out like Leslie and, and, and Rebecca and all these characters, they knew there were elements of these characters we were going to learn mm-hmm. about, but they intentionally waited to give us some of them. And like, they didn't have to do that. No, they could have given us all the development of these characters in the first season and then focused on story in two and three. Right. But the fact that they kept giving us new elements to these characters, new things to learn about these characters, even all the way up to the penultimate episode where we learn about Beard. Uh, right, right. And that, 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 that could have been given to us now in season yeah. one, but they waited. That shows just a confidence in your material that we don't see anymore in television. And it kept us invested in those characters the whole time, Mm -hmm. the whole time. Again, I, you know, we said when we, it's not until the penultimate episode of the series, but when we find out beards backstory, it's, it's oddly beautiful. I know it's straight up beautiful. It's it's, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God, I, I know we're getting way ahead, but you're right. That's okay, the, but uh, this the, is a really good, going back to Higgins, this is a really good Higgins episode, I think. I mean, he he firmly cements himself as a member of the Diamond Dogs. Um, he has a hilarious moment suggesting Proud Boys. <laughs> <laughs> the minute he said Proud Boys, I was like, no. And I forgot that Nate goes, <laughs> Well, I, and like, I don't even. Perfect. I, and I don't even think Leslie knows what that means in the U.S. either. Uh, no, but the rest of us did when we were watching oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, 
And then we see Leslie later finally stand up for himself against Rebecca um, in a very respectful manner, too. I mean, he does cuss her out, but he does sincerely and genuinely apologize for his his part in the um, dissolving of her marriage with Rupert. Um, And he walks out at. I don't know that he could have done that if he didn't have the Diamond Dogs' support and friendship to help him find his voice that way. I agree with you completely. I don't think Leslie still would have been this meek mannered, like, um, uh, like gopher mm-hmm. uh, or whipping boy rather to Rebecca because he would have felt like he was he was deserving of the punishment but you're right like and I love the fact that it's a callback to when Rebecca tells or when Keely tells Rebecca fuck off Mm -hmm. a couple episodes before that and he says oh I can only imagine what would happen if I said that to you (laughs) and then this episode he does and he says it in a perfect moment too like he's just looking at her like what are we doing yeah and and I love it because we'll get to it a little bit later too. But that leads into a major slap in the face for Rebecca. Thank God, too. She needed it because something happens immediately after that with Keely, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, like now we're Rebecca's going to be set on. This was the nudge she needed to finally be set on the right path. I mean, maybe we don't know. I mean, if you're a first time watcher, you don't really know what's going to happen next, you know? Um, But to see that, you know, we've been working on Rebecca and she's had so much uh, progress in the, especially in the last couple of episodes since for the children. And then you see that she hasn't really changed towards the end in that final conversation with Leslie. Yeah. I have, I do have a little bit of a theory about that. Um, so, I mean, well, again, we'll talk about the bar scene and, and the dark game and everything, but everything that happens in that dark game, I feel mm-hmm. like because she sees it as a moment because she tells Leslie like, oh, like Ted completely embarrassed Rupert last night. And I feel like in that moment, she almost feels like, well, I have now I have a teammate. I have somebody to help me embarrass Rupert. So now I'm like, I'm going to still progress forward on this plan. I'm not against Ted anymore because now he's with me. In this but effort. she is against Ted because of what she's been doing to him and continues to do to him. I mean, she is still trying to actively uh, dismantle this team that he literally lost his family over. Um, so while she had, and th- this is the point I was making, is while she has had some um, significant development with Ted, with Keeley, uh, with with the team, she's gotten it over on Rupert a couple of times. She still hasn't changed at her core. She still is trying to dismantle the team. She's still trying to, I mean, shame and embarrass Ted, whether she understands that or not. I mean, she's like, she's still stuck on getting back at Rupert. Well, and I and I want to kind of just maybe make a little bit of a correction in something that you said when you said that she hasn't changed who she is at her core. I feel like who she is at her core is the real Rebecca. She hasn't changed in her outer appearance. And the okay, that's that fair. She, yes, and the quest that she is on. Um, She's still a woman scorned. Core, exactly. Core Rebecca. We actually finally met last episode. Right. I would agree with that. Somebody who is fun, somebody who is outgoing, somebody who is caring and looks out for people like she did with Ted. Somebody that who has is- one night stands, leaders. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean, in that sense, somebody who is powerful. 
like mm-hmm. takes what she wants and is willing to just let it go. Power in a good way, like not yeah. like you know, like in a I'm above you kind of way. She just she did something that she wanted to do and she had no regrets about it. Kicked well, the she's dude out claiming her own power back. Yes, which is wonderful, but she has to let go of this anger and resentment and and hurt that Rupert has shown her. And we see in that dart scene that she's got people in her corner, but she is so singularly focused on getting one up on Rupert that she is burning everything down that she's getting. Like, it's like, it's like you're, it's like you write a book and you're, you've put all this, well, that's a terrible metaphor, but it like, She's getting all these friends, but she's also burning her friendships down. And she's got this really great um, partner in Ted, but she's burning that bridge down. And I mean, she just she can't get out of her own way right now. Um, and I think that the one-two punch from Leslie and then Keeley is like what you said. It kind of knocks her out of her Self misery, self like how many rounds are you going to go with yourself on this one? It was just like wh- who said that beard or no Leslie Higgins. Leslie Higgins says that Leslie to said that to Ted right? How many yeah. rounds are you going to go on yourself? I think that we can have the same question be posed to Rebecca, and I think that that's why Rebecca and Ted work so well together is because they're both grieving and they're both trying to figure out how to move on with their life, and one of them is doing it in a healthy way, and one of them is doing it in a very horrible way. Well, I mean, you know what? I said we were going to save it to the end, but let's jump into at least a little bit of that that bar scene before the dark game, because you're right. Like there, and the funny thing is that it it seems that Rebecca's kind of blind to it. Is that when Rupert comes in with the new with Bex and you know makes the introduction, he even says at certain points, like both before and during the dark game, like I didn't think she would be willing to screw over an entire team. Like he, so that he, was one of that was one of my quotes is I know she's always been a bit randy but I never thought she would fuck over an entire team. Rupert calls her out perfectly. He knows exactly what she's doing. Yep, and he yeah. calls her out on it and he does it in front of Ted and I think Ted has always known that that's what's been happening but now it's kind of been confronted with him. Yeah. And I want to make mention of something too. When Rebecca comes in, so let's just get the milk puns out of the way because the puns are strong <laughs> in this one. Um, you know, he's oh, going thanks. to meet the milk sisters. I love when he says, like, oh, I'm just gonna narrow that, I'm just gonna round that down to two, uh, and we'll call them the two percent milks. <laughs> that's that's where it starts. Um, when they walk into the bar, want me to go skim the back room. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm gonna be an utter gentleman. <laughs> Hey, I wonder if they've ever seen the movie Bridget Jones's Dairy. <laughs> Sorry, that's not my breast milk fun. <laughs> and then when Rupert says the milk sisters aren't coming. Oh, did they expire? That one is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I but, wish what, that we would have seen them just once. The milk sisters? Yeah. Yeah. But I want to make note of something. And I, maybe I'm reading too much into this. Or, or maybe I'm not. I want to see it's something that you picked up on. When Rupert walks in with Bex and Rebecca sees it and Ted sees them, obviously, Ted, Ted very clearly knows because we've seen Ted come to Rebecca's defense with Rupert in the past. The For, for the Children episode, we did see him. We know that Ted knows the person that Rupert is. Mm-hmm. 
Ted kind of takes maybe this is just blocking for the screen or maybe this is a character thing. Ted kind of takes a stance next to Rebecca where he's not he's next to Rebecca, but he's also kind of a step back. He's not right next to her. He's kind of slightly behind her, but still to her side. Mm. And to me, that kind of seems like, okay, that's Ted thinking, I know Rebecca is strong enough to handle this situation, but I'm going to be there if she needs me. I call it what? Nodding. I don't know. I'm just going with my gut here. I don't know. I'm just going <laughs> with my gut. Like, so when 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 Rupert first approaches the bar and he takes that stance, I kind of looked at that in that sense. Mm. Again, could be just screen blocking. I, you know, all I, I mean, know. maybe I, you know, it's, it's, look, is it, is it overanalyzing? Maybe, but with a show that's this fleshed out, is it intentional? Also, maybe. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I, I don't think that anything is really done by accident on this show. Um, but, you know, it could be, it could be an accident, it could just be blocking, but I do, I, I do understand what you're saying. And, and, and I agree Definitely. Um, I do like the the part where, what is it? Rupert says something terrible to Rebecca, and then um, Ted just can't handle it. And he goes, hey! Like, he like I, I forget what it is. I, I had it's, it on. So, it's, it's, so it's, it's right before the dark game. It's actually what leads to the dark game. It's the moment where um, they're talking about the... Uh, something about the team and he says like oh no it's not it's not ted's fault it's rebecca that brought the hillbilly to the to our shores yes it's right there and then that's and then i think something happens yeah see i have part of the scene played i I mean do you want to just play the dart scene yeah let's do that it's a great scene it is an amazing scene again not to beat a dead horse. It is my favorite scene. So what? Let's, <laughs> I know I haven't mentioned that before, uh, but we have audio of it. It's about two and a half minutes, but let's let's just play that scene now. Shall I be giving you the lineup card now, Ted? I shall be putting your Bassania back on defense where he belongs. That's exactly what I said, didn't I? No, no, it's not all Ted's fault. My ex-wife's the one who brought the hillbilly to our shores. I know she's always been a bit randy, but I never thought she would... Fuck over an entire team. Hey! Better manners when I'm holding a dart. Please. Hmm. Mate, what do I need to win? Two triple twenties and a bullseye. (laughs) Good luck. Mm. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day I was driving my little boy to school and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car and I'm driving to work and all of a sudden it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out and so they judged everything and they judged everyone and i realized that they're underestimating me who i was had nothing to do with it (laughs) because if they were curious 
they would ask questions, you know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? <laughs> to which I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to I was 16 when he passed away. Barbecue sauce. You are a very lovely consolation prize. Rebecca, Ted, enjoy your evening. May, as always. Holy shit, that felt good. That was fun, yeah. <laughs> Only one thing left to do now. What's that? Just real quick before we go into Ted there, you can see that Rebecca is still not Rebecca because it didn't even dawn on her to buy everybody a round of drinks and to just get the crowd back to her, you know? Yeah. Even though that's what Rupert did the moment he walked Exactly. In. Exactly. Like she's yeah. so singularly focused on Rupert. And just making sure to get one over on him, she has forgotten how to be a person to other people. Yeah. She wants everybody to help her, but she doesn't want to do anything for anybody else right now because she doesn't, she thinks that she deserves everything to come her way without realizing that, you know, what you give out is what you're eventually going to receive. She's not giving out a lot right now. Yeah. I want to, so. <laughs> I want to look at this from a dart player for a second because I have played tournament darts before the whole double in, double out. Doubles in, doubles out. Yep. I I have played this before. Uh, so while what Ted had to do to win that game is difficult because you need an exact hit to do that, Rupert's score is not exactly easy to get out of. There's only one way out of that score. And it's a double five. That's it. He had to hit a double five and it was over. If he hit anything other than that, his score would have been, a, I mean, unless he hit like a two or a three, he, it would have been, I, I'm just saying Rupert's score was not exactly the easiest to win that game either. But what I Ted just, had I to do was more difficult. I just love it that he asked May and May just was like, you're not going to get it. <laughs> she just, she sounded really bothered by it too. It's almost like May, May is rooting for Ted. You know, she yeah. just like everybody else, even the people that call him wanker, they've grown to like this man. Well, and not only that, but you know, we get the three guys in the bar too. Like even they're cheering when Ted wins in the end, this is a scene that not only does Ted, is it great because Ted gets one over on Rupert for Big Rebecca, time. but this is also a moment where he kind of wins over the town a little yes. bit. Yes. Because well, he's what are the three the, boys names. Oh, oh, God. I know um, Jeremy is one of them. Um, hang on. I'll tell you in a second uh, as we're talking. Yeah, because I have, I, 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 just for the sake of me, I forgot. Um, 
uh, Baz, Jeremy, and oh, why can't I think of Paul? I'll have it in a second. Um, Baz. So while you're looking for it, it's Paul. Yeah, it's Paul. You're Paul. Right. Okay. Yeah. I just love it that um, they're like, oh, it's kind of cool that the gaffer knows our names, you know, <laughs> like they're still fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's it. Like you, you hate when you hate the team when you're losing, but you love them when, the, when they're winning. That's, that's pretty much what a fan is. But Ted wins them over in this because they're cheering for him when he beats Rupert. Do um, you um, find yourself thinking that Baz, Jeremy, and Paul are just like the major league fans in the stands? Because <laughs> every time I see them, I always think of Randy Quaid. Randy always. Quaid in major league too. <laughs> They'll blow it in the playoffs. They yeah. will. They'll blow it in the playoffs. And then when they win, I told you. I told you I guys. Told you in, I told you in I, yep. the preseason we'd make it. Oh, they're totally <laughs> Randy Quaid from major league too. <laughs> But like this start scene, I, I love the fact that Ted does the white knighting thing and he kind of he he lures Rupert in by using his right hand to play like to kind of make it look like he's he totally hustles Rupert. It's well and and Rupert thinks that he's hustling Ted. That's the best part. Yeah. But Ted already knows the kind of man that Rupert is. So he knows exactly what to do because above everything. Ted is a coach. He is an observer of people. He knows how to bring people together. He knows how to teach them a lesson. He is, it doesn't matter what sport, and we've talked about this, doesn't matter that he's, if what sport he's coaching, he likes to coach people. He's a people person. Rupert is a money person. He's a conqueror. He is not a people person. He does not see this coming. Because he is so arrogant that he's like, I'm going to pull out my very expensive darts and ooh, look at me. And Ted's like, oh, you know what? I'm left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, you're right because that just shows Rupert's arrogance. Like he – we mentioned already like he knows what he knows what Rebecca is doing. He knows mm -hmm. that Rebecca has brought Ted in to kind of flop the team and that's that's exactly what's happening. So he is underestimating Ted already because he thinks that he's just some hillbilly, like he mentions, that Rebecca brought in. Right. He doesn't know how good Ted really is. So he's underestimating Ted the same way Rebecca did initially. Right. And it bites him. It, it comes back and it bites him in the ass. So good. I do find it interesting, though, and it's almost very e – it's not very – it's not almost evil. It's evil. The loophole he finds to bring himself back into the team. It's gross. Of using that he, because of the divorce, is not allowed to have ownership of the team, but Bex can. So I'll pay for Bex to own the shares, and then I can sit in the box with Bex. But because they get married and it becomes their assets, though. But it's hers before they get married. So that's mm. the loophole. Yeah. Because they're not married yet. So, and but he even says that. And once we get married, what's hers is mine. And what's mine is, well, also mine because, you know, that's disgusting. Yeah. That's chauvinistic at its core. Right. Right. And he's got this very young girl that he's going to marry that has no idea that she's being used as a pawn 
in a fight that he's having with his ex-wife. Yeah. A childish fight that he's having with his ex-wife. Yeah. Well, I mean, and Rebecca's just as guilty of it at this point, too. Oh, 100%. Because she's using Ted as the pawn. But Ted knows it. I think at this point, Ted knows it. I think Ted is clued in. I don't know if he knows to what degree uh, he's going to find out very, very soon. Um, But he is, I think you're right. I think he has a clue that it's, it's, he's been brought in for purposes. Well, I think that that speech about people underestimating him was more for Rebecca than it was for Rupert. Um, I would agree with that. I would agree with that completely. Cause even in that moment where he says like, you know, when he played darts with his old man from age 10 up until 16, up until he passed away, like it cuts to Rebecca and she has this look on her face of it. It's almost like a panic, uh, maybe like a sad panic of, She's realizing this man is not like there is emotion behind this man. There's a person behind what she's doing. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. She's forgetting that these are people that she's playing with. Leslie is a person. Keely is a person. Uh, Ted is a person. And she's just playing with them like they're pawns on this stupid game board that she's been playing with Rupert. She has spent the entire season sunk to Rupert's level and she needs to start rising above and being better than Rupert. And it's not until this episode that we really see her not until really next episode that we see her realizing that and starting to make amends for that because she's still acting as a petulant child all the way to the end of this episode, right before Keely walks in. Yeah. I mean, we think we no. I agree. We see her loosen up a little bit because there is that moment after the dark game where Ted brings the team together to spell high boss on the team. And she's very playful and she plays along with it. Um, And then she seems happy and giddy because then she's going back into the mindset like, oh, okay, now like Rupert's been embarrassed. Ted and I are okay, even though they're really not yet at this point. She's almost a little delusional. Uh huh. That's a great word for it. Not almost. She's delusional at this point. She thinks everything is good again. She's got, she thinks that she's got control over a situation that she has absolutely none. Oh, well, that's why by the end of it, it comes crashing down. Good. You know, Leslie tells her to fuck off and quits. And Keely comes in with the big reveal that she now knows Rebecca's behind the picture. Dude, she's pissed. She's pissed, but she's also not giving up on Rebecca. Like oh no, she, right, exactly. But you like can it, see she is Oh, she is mad. Yeah. <laughs> and she calls her out and says, either you tell him or I will. Yep. She puts her in a position where Rebecca has to come clean. Oof. That's rough. And the <laughs> look like, on and oof. the look on Rebecca's face as Keely is walking away, she knows it. Mm-hmm. It it everything just her joyride just crashed. Yeah. I would agree with that. And now she has to face the repercussions of the joyride. Mm -hmm. Yes, I completely agree. It's kind of like when you're like, you know, if you're a drunk, if you're a teenager out for a joyride in your parents' car drinking and you crash, you have to come clean to your parents about what you did. And that moment is coming for Rebecca. Yes. Yes, it is, which is wonderful. In fact, I think that one of the um, 
one of the themes of this episode is a sense of comeuppance and it's for Rebecca and Rupert. It's like Rebecca and Rupert's game is about to end, you know, because not because their game is about to end, but because Rebecca's about to stop playing. Somebody's about to stop playing. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And so, um, and it's because of Keely holding her responsible for her actions, because if Keely didn't do that, I don't know that Rebecca would have stopped playing this silly game with Rupert. No, Rebecca would have kept this going for as long as she possibly could. Until the team dissolved. It's one of those things where like you do, once you do something wrong, oftentimes you keep doing it until you get caught. Yep. And that's the situation that Rebecca's in right now. And she got caught. Yes. It's nice to see people get what they deserve. Really, honestly, I love Rebecca. I love Rebecca Welton. I love this character so much, but it is so nice to see her get what she deserves at the end of this episode. It's awesome. Yeah. And it adds so much more emotion to what we're about to see next episode. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because it is very emotional. Mm -hmm. Just a warning to anybody who hasn't, who's following, who's watching for the first time and following along, have tissues ready for next episode. Eh. That's. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) What? What are you talking about? Um, So can we go to a lighter part of the episode? Rebecca or Roy and Keely. I was going to say either that or Keely's meetings with all of the players. (laughs) So um, I want to. So real quick. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll save that for quotes. Um, I, we, I, I covered all the milk puns, even though I'll re I'll say them again in quotes. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's go to Keely at interviewing all the players in the press room because it's, it's fun. Well, and I think that everything that they were talking about, the players were talking about, I mean, it totally goes to their characters 100%. Sam Obasanya saying that he wants, you know, he wants to have responsible uh, sponsorship is just such a Sam Obasanya thing to do, you know? But then he's like, oh yeah, but I also like things. So, But yeah, I also Jordan's like Air Jordans. As well. yeah. <laughs> but I think McAdoo's is my favorite because I <laughs> love Rolos. Just, I, I love Rolos. I think Rolos are the perfect candy. And so she's like, okay, chocolate and sweets. He's like, no. Did I say chocolate and sweets? I said Rolos. <laughs> Only Rolos. None of that Sour Patch <laughs> bullshit. Which I took offense to because I love Sour Patch Kids. No, I'm I'm totally with McAdoo on this. Like, candy's fine, but Rolos, if I'm going to have a sponsorship, I don't want it to be like, oh, you like chocolate? Okay, how about, you know, Hershey's chocolate bars? No. What did I say? I like this candy. And I don't want a lifetime supply of candy I'm not going to eat. I want Rolos. <laughs> I'd be like me saying, like, I want a sponsorship with Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay, so peanut butter candy. No. No. Nope. What did I say? Cups. Exactly. 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 <laughs> no, no minis, no Reese's pieces, Reese's peanut butter cups. Yep. Yep. Although I, to- I get it. Although I think Danny Rojas has the best request. He does. <laughs> He's just like this cute little golden retriever. He is the golden retriever of the team. <laughs> just joy. I like to give, what did he say? I like to give away joy for free. I like to give, I don't think you can make money off joy. Oh, I like to give joy away for free. (laughs) Mucho, mucho mucho joy. joy. (laughs) And then then as he's walking out, Roy's walking in. He's like, ah, I love you. Or something. Football is life. 
That's what he says. Football is life, life amigo. And then he runs, and then he walks out singing. <laughs> Danny. Oh, yeah. And it's not his Danny Rojas song. It's, you know, some Spanish song, which is wonderful that he knows another song. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, I, the, the press conference was great, um, which well, let's use that as a jumping point because it actually yeah, sure. does take us into Roy and Keeley for 100%. this 100%. Oh, we do see Jamie for a split second, but I really don't think that we needed Jamie this episode. I, I agree and I disagree to a point. I feel like ne- I, I understand why they brought Jamie in because it does lead to the moment of Jamie and Keely sleeping together again, which leads into everything with Roy dealing with insecurities about Jamie and with his relationship with Keely. Um, and like for a moment, I almost thought like, Oh, this is a major step back for Keely. And I'm like, you know what? It really isn't. It's, it's not a step back for Keely at all. If anything, it's almost a little bit of a step forward for Jamie because he's still the cocky little prick Jen. that we know him as. <clears throat> but he's coming to some realizations that Keely made him a better person. He never admitted that before. <laughs> what did he say? Thank you for making me the best jam I could be. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't being the right jam. <laughs> <laughs> He's just such a clown. <laughs> I just love him so much. <laughs> it's just your impression of Jamie that that is making me laugh. Jamie. The Jamie. Way he's, <laughs> because it's so close <laughs> to what it is. But so I understand using Jamie in this moment, bring him in because one, they didn't want the audience to forget about him because he Jamie is still a very important character to this series. So using him in this moment is a great way to kind of remind us Jamie still exists. He's still there. Um, So let's not forget about Jamie. But again, it does. It gives us that little bit of element to the next part of this in which Roy having to deal with insecurity. And I want to say this is going to sound I don't you might agree with this. You might not. Um, Oh, I'm excited. Roy and Keeley in this moment, in everything that they're going through, in making mistakes, but admitting to each other they're making mistakes. Not like they're both taking responsibility for the mistakes that they're making. Hmm. To me, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is already even though it's very humorous and very cute and fun to watch because it's the beginning, beginning stages. They are already a very healthy relationship. And I think that that has more to do with Keely than it does with anybody else. Because Keely's so open and honest and upfront. And then you have Roy on the other side that is just like, I really like you and I don't want to screw this up. And but by saying that, he has already been screwing it up because he didn't really know how to navigate this part of a relationship. Yeah. And Keely's just like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to kill you. Like I just had sex with my ex-boyfriend to get back at you like some kind of high schooler. And you were just being stupid too. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like they both are making mistakes, but they're both owning up to the mistakes that they're making. They're not, they're not blaming each other 
for the mistakes that they're making. Like Keely, like she could have very easily says, well, I slept with Jamie because I, you know, and then eventually, and she does do that initially. And then Roy calls her out and says like, oh, so I'm being blamed for something I didn't even know I was doing. Mm, and she's yeah. like, well, that, uh, yeah. And, you know, she, <laughs> she owns up to it. Yeah. And, but you're right. Like going back to that moment with Jamie and Keely, where Jamie says like, you brought out a part of me and you made me better. That's who Keely is. Mm-hmm. And that's what Keely does to everybody around her, including Roy. Right. Roy is a very closed, like I, I doesn't want to deal with shit kind of person. Mm-hmm. But with Keely, he's different. Like the the whole press conference with the two of them is an absolutely adorable scene. I love all the independent woman, um, <laughs> independent, independent Sunday woman, insert, Sunday insert. magazine, online edition. I thought that was wonderful. But also in that moment, Roy's playing along. Yeah. He would have never done that with anyone else. I like it that he's like, fuck off. I'll see you on the pitch. No more questions. <laughs> and he leaves. <laughs> yeah. You with the uh, eyes. <laughs> but I just, I, I love that, like. I love that this is a already a healthy relationship that is budding. They agree to the date and they go out on the date together. And this is where they find the photographer. Oi, you shouldn't take things that don't belong to you. For example, may I take this? No. Well, I'm fucking taking it. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the camera card that holds the pictures of Kimi yep. and Ted. Which makes me wonder... Does she have a photographer on retainer just looking for trash? Rebecca? Yeah. I don't know. I think I think he was just a paparazzi photographer that she hired for that particular moment. And now he's just continuing to try and find other stuff to to be, you know, as being Gandalist. a regular paparazzi. Yeah. Yeah. Um I do I do like the fact too when in before they have before Keely and Roy have that press conference, um the first time they're in that press conference room and she does, she admits the whole thing about sleeping with Jamie right before that. And when Roy's admitting, like, you know, I've, I've been with a lot of people and, you know, like, no, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> like, but then that's when the rumors come out about all these things. And like, my penis has a curve in it. And she's like, does it? He's does like, it? no, no, that's just what, I, it's just the way I move my, hi- I just move my hips that way to make it seem like it does. And that's, that's what ends the press conference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when she's like, what, yeah. can you tell me about the whole curve and your, the, the penis movement? It's like, oh, I, I fuck off. I've had enough of this. I'll see you. No more conversation. No more questions. I'll see you on the pitch. So I just, I love seeing these beginning stages of Keely and Roy. It's incredibly healthy. It's incredibly fun to watch. Yes. Um, And it leads Roy to going to visit the Diamond Dogs mm-hmm. and actually get advice from the Diamond and Dogs. What did Ted say? He said, don't worry. This is going to, it's all going to be solved in just a few minutes. And it was. Yeah. The Diamond Dogs are effective. Yes, they are for Higgins, for Ted, and for Roy, all in the same episode. Like, there, three people were uh, benef- benefited from the Diamond Dogs in this episode. And, 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 and it's only the third meeting of the Diamond Dogs. Two of them <laughs> happen in this episode. <laughs> we do get introduced to, to the Roy Grunt in this episode as well. 
<laughs> Why don't you come back to me when you learn how to speak again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's nice. You know, this isn't her first pro footballer. So she's just like, look, man, I'm not dazzled by you. Like, you can go and we'll come back and talk when you want to talk like a person again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think I've got everything that's not spoilery. Yeah, I'm done. And I really don't have much for spoilers. I, I kind of have one quick note for spoilers. So spoiler territory is going to be quick. I have one. One. Yeah, one that, I, I have yep. one thing, too. And it's, it, and it's, it's very, nothing. It's not a lot. Um, but again, I don't want to reveal it now because, you know, spoilers. Um, so cool. So you know what? With that said, let's uh, let's take this into spoiler territory. It's only going to be a couple minutes, so you're not going to have to skip very far ahead. Uh, in fact, it's probably going to be maybe two, three minutes max at that. But check the show notes to find out when you can come back in for that. Um, now that we're in it, what's the one thing that you have for spoilers? Roy's voice is just so high. It, Roy's voice is high. Yeah, because in the, season two and season three, when he's kind of found his character a little bit more, his voice goes down like this. It's more gravelly. And right now, it's just still quite normal, you know? Okay. All right. Yeah, it's just it, literally, that's the only thing I have. That's really the only thing you have. Okay. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I have, too, is... Keely being in the press conference room and interviewing all these players is important because this is a very beginning step for what becomes Keely's job. Yeah. She not only does this for the team, Keely goes on to start her own marketing PR firm. Yeah. Her own PR farm. Yeah. Yeah. This is the beginning stages of who Keely is going to become professionally. Well, I mean, she. She's been a model. She's been in the business. She's, she knows her way around the business. Um, it's it's a really good next step for somebody like Keely. And I yeah. think that it was perfectly in line with who she was and who she is as a character. And yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, this is good. This is a great point for Keely. And we are, we are seeing the beginning steps of the professional that Keely is going to become. Yes, so with mucho, mucho joy, mucho, mucho joy. <laughs> um, nothing else for spoilers. In your no. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I had a feeling. Uh, so we're, uh, we told you it was going to be short, but <laughs> we're already I bet you it was less than a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was two minutes, literally. <laughs> okay. Cause I'm keeping time tracks so I can oh, perfect. When I, when okay. I edit and it, yeah, it was, it was three seconds short of two minutes. <laughs> So we knew it was going to be short. There's not a lot of foreshadowing in this one. Um, but that does lead us to favorite quotes of the episode. And I, We've I said have, a lot. I We said a lot. We said the milk puns. Um, want me to go skim the back room. Don't worry. I'm going to be an utter gentleman. Hey, I wonder if they've ever seen the movie Bridget George's Dairy. Sorry, that's not my breast milk pun. And, oh, no. Did they expire? Um. I have a couple others. Do you have any that you want to? Uh, one that I haven't said is uh, grow up and get over it. Which is Beard's advice to Roy. Beard's advice to Roy. Killing. And I think that it's good advice for everybody. Grow up and get over it. How about you? Um, 
<laughs> so I have this one in clip form, so I'll play this one <laughs> real quick. What's happening? You having a meeting? Yep, I'm having lady problems. You know, I'd love to get your perspective no. on that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have... <laughs> Let's see. Well, as my doctor told me when I got addicted to fettuccine Alfredo, that's a little rich for my blood. <laughs> With the, just talking to Rupert before the dark game. Um, <laughs> after they they spell hi, boss, Ted yells, uh, we spelt it, she felt it. Yeah, we did it, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> the players. And then the only other one I have... Um, it, oh, no, I have two more. Uh, do you have any others? No, be oh, okay. well. Be curious, not judgmental. Be curious. I'm going to put that in my classroom. I actually want to get a tattoo of that one. I'm not going to lie. There you go. It's it is actually not a Walt Whitman quote. It's being misquoted to Walt Whitman, but I don't care. It's it's sound advice, no matter what. Um, the other two that I have actually come from Ted. Uh, and let's see, one of them is they're both to Roy. So they're both when Roy is in the Diamond Dogs getting advice. Uh, the first one is, ooh wee, sounds to me like someone caught, someone's caught inside of uh, life's most complicated shape, the love triangle. <laughs> yeah. second, pla <laughs> second place, of course, is that I just walked in on my mother-in-law changing into her swimsuit do do dodecahedron. <laughs> <laughs> Does my face look like it's into <laughs> in the mood for shape-based quotes. No, Roy, it does not. But in my defense, it barely does. Yeah. <laughs> that is that uh, that is in his defense, for sure. And then the other one I have is, and this is such a deep joke. Like, this one is a thinker. Uh, <laughs> who the fuck are the Diamond Dogs? It's just a group of people who care, Roy. Not unlike folks at a hip-hop concert whose hands are not in the air. <laughs> That's oh, I love a, it. That's such a like, what? What is that? Oh, I get it. I love it. That one takes a couple seconds to hit you. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Oh, and then there's also, and then there's also a uh, reference to our dearly departed Matthew Perry by saying oh, yeah. all this after all this Chandler binging. Yeah. Which was kind of bitter, uh, bittersweet to hear. Yes. I but, hate it. That is bittersweet right now. Uh, but that leads us now into the feedback sec feed feedbook. Jesus. I'm like all You're over doing the such a good job. I know. <laughs> uh, feedback section of the podcast. Uh, and we, we do have a number of things. We have um, a voicemail, a number of Facebook feedback posts, and an email that we got. Uh, I want to start with the email because it is rather long, but I'm going to read that anyway. Uh, and this comes from Danielle Jost. And Jost, uh, Danielle has sent us feedback for Lost in the past as well. I think this is her first time with, uh, with Ted Lasso. But... Uh, again, it is rather long, but I did tell her I would I would read it, and this is kind of coming to the defense of uh, Michelle and uh, and I think even Nate in this point too. Uh, but she says, Ben and Kristen, greetings and salutations. I have some things to say. LOL. I think you two are way too harsh on Michelle and Nate. You forgive Rebecca for so much, but have no empathy or forgiveness left for those other or for these other characters. What follows are my thoughts on this matter, spoilers included. All right, I'll try and keep that. Uh, I hope I don't come across as angry because I'm not. 
uh, but I do feel strongly about this, so bear with me. Uh, Michelle wasn't in love with Ted. She developed feelings for their marriage counselor, and Dr. Jacob absolutely should have shut that down, but he didn't. So that's on him. As far as the trip to Paris goes, Michelle clearly tells uh, tells Ted that Jake told her on the plane that he was taking her to Paris. All right, so this is a little spoilery, so I apologize. Uh, Michelle did not know until they were in the air. Also, what's wrong with taking advantage of their time without Henry to do something they want to do while Henry is safely cared for and enjoying time with his dad? It's not like they dumped him on a doorstep or something. Henry was happy to be there and Ted was happy to have him. So I don't see the problem. Sharing custody visitation time is hard enough, but she did nothing wrong in that situation. She shouldn't have been so pushy about the papers, but she was anxious to get it done. And at no point did Ted tell her that he needed more time. So that's on Ted. Michelle showed a great deal of love and caring for Ted at various times throughout the series while keeping a respectable distance due to their relationship status. Divorce is hard. Divorce with kids is harder. I think she deserves much more slack than you're giving her because uh, because you're focused on defending, protecting Ted. But there isn't any understanding for what Michelle was dealing with. She had been in a marriage with someone she didn't want to be with for probably years at this point and was excited to be able to develop a relationship with someone she actually wanted to be with. Ted also jumped into bed with Sassy immediately and would have started a relationship with her if she wanted it. But you don't have a problem with that. And sure, Sassy initiated, but he was happy to oblige. It's complicated and nuanced and not a black and white hero and villain situation. So that's my two cents, give or take, on Michelle. Uh, she So she writes more about Ted, but uh, any thoughts on her notes about Michelle? Yes. So, yes, I believe that this is a complicated thing. Yes, I know that there are two parts and two sides to every story, but I wholeheartedly disagree with pretty much everything that was just said. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I I don't want to pick it apart because you are entitled to your own opinion, of course. Um, I will say that Ted already being divorced, signing the papers, and then having a one-night stand with somebody, is it, it is completely different than developing a relationship with your marriage therapist while you are still married. That is, to me, that is very, very different. Um, and at no point did I ever say that Henry was not being loved or taken care of. So I'm not really sure where that came from. But um, like I said, I mean, you're, of course allowed to have whatever feelings that you want. I just don't and will never feel any sort of empathy or respect for Michelle Lasso. Okay. It's fair enough. And yeah, I mean, you know, again, to, to Danielle or anybody else that's listening, uh, we trust me, we appreciate the seeing the other side of this. We love Mm -hmm. seeing what other, how other people see this. So don't take this as in like, Oh, we think you're completely wrong. you know, it's. I think it's a matter of perspective. I really do. Um, so, you know, we we've gotten a little bit of like Greg's thoughts on this, and now Danielle. I and I know. I think Des has even said some things in like a, a, a chat. Um, nothing negative. It's never been like, oh, like we hate you guys for your thoughts on this. It's just been their perspective of things, and that's fine. I just, you know, I have feelings, and my feelings are because of the way that I grew up. 
the way and yeah. like the way that I view uh the way that I view things, my lens and my perspective. So it's of course going to be different from from somebody else. You yeah. know? I mean, that's the best part is that we all have our different perspectives. We all come from our different backgrounds and our different places. And um, you know, it's it's totally fine that you find something redeeming in Michelle Lasso and I don't. Yeah. It's again, totally fine. Absolutely. Uh, so Danielle does continue on with some more about Nate and Danielle. I'm actually going to apologize ahead of time because I did read a little bit ahead about it. And there is the, the spoilery stuff about Michelle was a little okay, but there is definitely a good amount of more spoilery stuff about what's to come with Nate in your, uh, your section of it. So, uh, Kristen and I are definitely going to read it on our own, but I don't know if we're going to read that part on the podcast just because I don't want to ruin it for anybody who might be listening. So apologize ahead of time that we're not going to read the Nate part, but know that we read it uh, and I'll probably I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for when we actually get a little further on in the series and we we talk about that. Uh, so that leads us into the Facebook feedback that we got in which we did get two things from some great people on feedback. So I will turn that over to you to read. Yay. Okay. So, um, our first piece of feedback is from Lindsay Schlicht. Hi, Lindsay. So last week we avoided female friendship stereotypes. And I think I love this week even more showing strong male friendships that also say nope to stereotypes for (laughs) sure. Lindsay, I just love the diamond dogs and their unexpected conversations. I don't know if this is truly how male friendships are, but for guys sake, I hope so because it's so sweet to see the honesty between Roy and Keeley was sweet as well. I swear this show is relationship goals. It was cute to see grumpy Roy playing along with Keeley's press bit. Ted saying Chandler binging hurt my heart. So sad to Mm. even hear that name still. I am so with you on that one. Barbecue sauce. Wahoo. I mean, I loved this show from the first two minutes, but I think this was the scene that elevated it to one of my all time favorites. Ted's cool as a cucumber takedown of Rupert should have had Rebecca proposing marriage. I would have. Love, love, love this scene. Maybe the best of the series? Kristen, thank you for all the nice things you said last week. I have been hell yesing you since your early days on Game of Microphones, so I heartily agree with all the agreeing. <laughs> I love her. She's great. <laughs> um, you want me to do the second one? Yeah, yeah, do the second one. Uh, Scott Goss says, this is probably the best episode of all three seasons. Every scene matters for the present and the future. The formation of the Diamond Dogs, Keely and Roy. I groan like he does for my leg muscles. <laughs> Rebecca and Ted in the bar. And in the end, for the feel-good message that is in that is the lasso way. I think this is basically the linchpin episode of the series. I could see that. I could see mm-hmm. that for sure. Uh, you know, one of the things that I didn't mention during the dartboard or during the dark game that I don't know if a lot of people kind of caught, there is a purpose to the barbecue sauce. sauce. Um, It goes back to, I believe episode one or two to the care package that Ted gets um, from hit from Michelle and from Henry, where he gets the army men and he gets a bunch of things. And in that care package is the jar of barbecue sauce. And he opens it up and he takes a, you know, a lick of it. And he says, mm, there's nothing sweeter. That's kind of where that comes from. This was a sweet moment for Ted to win that game. So yes. he uses Barbecue the term 
barbecue sauce. I love it. Which is great. I love it. It's a nice little callback to an earlier moment in the series. Uh, And that leads us then to, of course, a voicemail from our friend Steve Brown. So let's go ahead and play that now. (laughs) Hey, Ben, Chris, this is Steve. Here we go with uh, Ted Lasso, episode season one, The Time and Dogs. And, you know, this time Nate is waking up in the luggage compartment and the (laughs) team is finding him. (laughs) I love Ted's subtle Fletch reference. I'll be your Underhill's anytime. That's great. Always murder podcasts is what she's listening to. It's great. With this first (laughs) meeting about lady problems, I want to get your perspective. No. No. I'm rambling. And Nate is the one who calls them the Diamond Dogs. Oh, and that's the title of the episode. Sets a mic drop. Of course, this meeting with Jamie and Keely, he still, Jamie still thinks that it was uh, Ted's fault that he got traded over back to Manchester City. Oh, so Ted comes to see Rebecca and we have a bit of a continuity error because when he walks in the room, her laptop is open. She doesn't slam it shut. But yet when he puts the biscuits down on the desk, the laptop is shut. (laughs) And of course, she invites him to the meeting with the milks, the 2% milks. Forgot that Jamie was totally honest about her sleeping with Jamie the night before that uh, Roy opens up to her about how he wants to go slow and doesn't want this to be a one night stand. Oh, because my face is in the mood for shape based jokes. <laughs> Roy, Ted with a Chandler binging reference. Uh, R.I.P. Matthew Perry. And of course, now we get to one of the best scenes in Ted Lasso, maybe one of the best scenes in TV uh, at, all, at all now, uh, the dart scene. That we can finally talk about in non-spoiler area. And of course, Rupert doesn't get the, oh, did they expire joke that Ted just made about the Milk Sisters. Okay, we haven't quite got to the dart scene yet, because now we're back to Keely <laughs> doing her press cut, her press stuff. The scene between Keely and Roy in the press room is just so cute. <laughs> he just said, woman with the hair. I think I said that during the lost live Steve one time, the one with the hair. Totally don't understand the scoring in darts, but this is such a great scene. It doesn't matter. Okay, no spoilers, but Ted just mentioned his father and that he passed away at 16. I know later we find out the truth. This is one crappy thing that Rebecca has done since she became part of the team is she releases all these cities to Man City, man, tickets to Man City. Of course, Keeley finds out about her treachery with the pitchers, and gosh, this is kind of a low, a high to end this episode, and then super low. Talk to you next week. I I forgot we learned more about Ted's dad. Yeah, I you know what? And and I'm excited to get to that part when we get to that part because it has left my brain, which is nice because there I, I like it when I relearn things, you know? Oh, so you don't remember that? No. <laughs> okay. All right. Um but I do want to say, and, and and I'm glad that he brought it up because it, it I didn't put it in my notes um, and I wanted to talk about it was Jamie thinking that it was Ted's fault that he mm-hmm. went back to Man City. It says a couple things about Jamie. First of all, it says that he is so self-absorbed, he has no idea how this business works. None. He like he thinks that it was the coach when really it's the owners of the team. Really, he he was never a Richmond team member. He was on loan. So, you know, it just proves that Jamie's just so focused on himself, his brand, his um, you know, quest to be an icon that he just doesn't know how football works. And he he wants Ted's 
uh, acceptance and validation so bad that he is putting all his anger into Ted for what's going on in his life right now. So he's going through like this really big transitional moment in his life. And you just, you have to be a really good observer to know in this one little tiny scene that we get with Jamie that he is on his own journey right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good journey, but it's, things are going to get worse before they get better. Let's just it, say that. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Yeah. They're going to get way worse. And it's, we're not too far off of seeing that either. Like we're going to no, see right. that, you know, before the end of this season, we're going to, we're yep. going to see, we're going to see more Jamie before the season is over. Um, and I do want to thank Steve too. And uh, for that as well, for the, I'll be your underhills anytime. I knew, I knew where that was from, but I couldn't remember. And it's a Fletch reference, the Chevy Chase movie, Fletch. Did you know that Jason Sudeikis was in talks to be Fletch in the reboot? No. It's an irony, ironic I, moment. But I it ended up being John Hamm. And John Hamm is fantastic as Fletch. Cause I did watch that movie. Um, and I actually, Loved I it. would love to see John Hamm and Jason Sudeikis do a movie together. I think they where would they, be gold. Where they play brothers? Yes. Right? <clears throat> a Thanksgiving-themed movie. Because <laughs> we need more of those. We do. We do. I, I agree. <laughs> I'm not saying that sarcastically. We no, need I know. more Thanksgiving movies. I, I know that it's. I know that you're being sincere because we were trying to make a list of Thanksgiving movies, <laughs> yes. and we didn't get too far. <laughs> no. No, we didn't get too far at all. Uh, but thank you guys, as always, for the feedback. Uh, easy, and we encourage you guys to leave it every week. We're starting to get more and more of it every week, which I like. So I'm encouraging more and more people to kind of like start being regulars about it and leave it, even if it's not very long, you know. Uh, so easiest way to do that is go to revisitedpod.com. There you can find links on where to listen, subscribe, leave feedback, all that fun stuff. Or you can email us directly in the shape and in, in the form of an email or voicemail uh, by sending it to us directly. Feedback at revisitedpod.com. Uh, recommendations, final notes before we head out. Anything on your end? Uh, eat Rolos. <laughs> Definitely eat Rolos. And um, I know that, you know, there's going to be people that listen to this um, uh, out of out of time. I know that, you know, there's, um, you know, maybe somebody's listening to this later, like in the summer or something like that. But for those of you who aren't, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. It's mm-hmm. my favorite holiday in the world. I love Thanksgiving so, so much. Um, so happy Thanksgiving. I was going to say that too. I'm glad you said it as well. Um, Cause at the time you're hearing this, uh, the next time you'll be hearing this, it will be after Thanksgiving. So I, I also would like to wish everybody a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Uh, Cause I, it's, it's not my favorite holiday, but is one of my favorite holidays because I it love is food related. Yeah. Well, and uh, ever since my sister died, we honor her every year at Thanksgiving by wearing pajamas on Thanksgiving. So it's always a really comfy day with just like you eat from the moment your eyes open until your eyes close that <laughs> night and you're in sweatpants all day long. You you have invited me to Thanksgiving for the past couple years and I've always had plans, but I think and I told you earlier, I told mm-hmm. you like last week, like I'm thinking maybe next year will be the year I finally join you guys and the fact that I know you're in pajamas, I think you just sold it. We actually bought matching pajama pants for me and the family yesterday <laughs> just for Thanksgiving this week. I'm really excited. 
And I, Jill and her family are coming for Thanksgiving. They arrive later today. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I Where I go for Thanksgiving, it is required of me every year to bring my homemade mac and cheese because it is the bomb. I will happily admit that. Does it come from a blue box? No. Then it's not mac and cheese. Oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) That is not true. You have no idea how weird I am about mac mac and cheese. Oh, don't get me wrong. I like that blue box mac and cheese. I, I mean, I will go crazy with the making that blue box. I will throw in some bacon salt. I might even dice up some spam and put some Elote spam in seasoning there. from Tr- Trader Joe's is the tits. It's so good. I this bacon salt that I have is amazing. Um, <laughs> I love mac and cheese. I t- but I make a homemade mac and cheese like from like like I actually make the bechamel and add the cheese to like it's it is the one thing that is required of me every year I go to Thanksgiving is my homemade mac and cheese. Uh, I'm not allowed to go if I don't bring it. Uh, but I'm. I will also tell you this too. I'm also a bigger ham over turkey person at Thanksgiving. We do ham and turkey. Where I go, yeah, I, is also ham and turkey. So, and I usually eat more ham. I love turkey, but I, God, I love ham. Ham with spicy hot sweet mustard is my favorite. Well, we don't do the spicy hot mustard for the for Thanksgiving. Sweet I, hot mustard. I, I like the honey, like the honey baked. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Honey baked ham, but with sweet hot mustard on it. I'm not a mustard person, so I will I love that. mustard. <laughs> <laughs> I love mustard. I like that. I like leftovers. I like stuffing is my favorite. Oh, I love it, stuffing. Yeah. We make uh, we make what we call sardo potatoes. They're funeral potatoes is what they are. Um, every year, they're so good. It's like cheese and sour cream and hash browns, and then you top it with uh, cornflakes and butter and you put it in the oven. It's so good. Okay. All right. I love Hawaiian sweet rolls. If oh, you have any so other roll other than Hawaiian sweet King's rolls. Hawaiian? Thanksgiving. Yeah. King's Hawaiian. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you always need like three times as many as you think you need. I ju- I'm just saying that right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Now that we're done with the Thanksgiving portion of the podcast. Cream spinach, creamed corn, cranberries, pie. Cranberry sauce or cranberry jelly? I don't care. I don't. <laughs> All right. All right. I just like the the acidity of it because it's such a heavy meal that that cranberries like it just brings in like a brightness and a tartness. So if you put it on everything, it just tastes delicious. And then, well, I could go on and on. We we okay. could have a whole separate podcast. Oh, I yeah, love Thanksgiving. Absolutely. But from Kristen and I, of course, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> To everybody listening. Um, any recommendations before we head out? Okay, no. fair enough. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm so this boring right now. Uh, I will make a recommendation. Uh, it just premiered actually yesterday, the day we're recording this on Friday, uh, November 17th. Uh, Scott Pilgrim takes off on Netflix. Oh, the TV it, show. It is the animated the anime series of Scott Pilgrim. Uh, featuring the entire cast of the movie, reprising their roles for it. Uh, I've watched the first two episodes already. It's only eight episodes, and it's amazing. Like I, I can't wait to finish the series. That's awesome. So that if I you're a Scott Pilgrim fan, that's my recommendation. I will say that I am going to watch. That we are going to go see the new um, Hunger Games movie, like as soon as possible. Ballads, mm-hmm. Songbirds, and Snakes. 
cannot wait to see that movie. It came out yesterday. Um, I, I can't wait. I loved the book. I've been waiting for the, I, I'm, I'm so excited. I haven't seen any of the um, previews or trailers for, for it yet. Cause I want to be totally surprised. I'm so excited. Okay. All right. Um, before we head out, obviously we want to make some, uh, we want to tell you about some other great podcasts, obviously go over to podcastica.com, check out a lot of the podcasts that are over there right now. Jason and Lucy are in the middle of their, uh, walking dead rewatch. Uh, the Buffy podcast is still going on with Penny and others over there. Daphne and Paik have their run for your lives. Paik and Rima are on strange indeed covering uh, great British bake off right now. Uh, on my end of things with Wilhelm, Wilhelm is actually returning with new content this week, uh, starting first, of course, on Monday, same day this is out. Mark Kirkman and I will be covering Monarch Legacy of Monsters, which is the new Godzilla series uh, on Apple TV, also on Apple TV, um, similar to Ted Lasso. Uh, that is actually a joint Wilhelm Podcastica uh, project, so you can hear that on both feeds. And then Wilhelm itself returns for brand new episodes on Thanksgiving Day uh, with the release of the we did a 60th anniversary special on Doctor Who. Fun. Because because Thanksgiving Day is the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. I have yet to see one Doctor Who. Oh, that's, that's okay. It's 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 not for everybody, but it's the people that love it, love it. Oh, I want to watch it, but there's a oh. lot of it. it. Well, it's intimidating. Well, it's, it's a lot in the sense that, so if you stick with modern who it's 13 seasons, but the seasons are only like no more than 13 episodes. It's a lot. It's, it's still a lot. It's um, a lot, man. Yeah. But I, I've, I've watched them all. Uh, the new season starts next at the beginning of the year. There's three anniversary specials starting up next weekend, which I'm very excited for. Uh, but it was a lot of fun to talk about like some of our favorite episodes and favorite actors who have played the doctor and companions and villains and all that stuff. So 60th anniversary special of Wilhelm drops on Thanksgiving day. Wilhelmpodcast.com is where you can check all that stuff out as well. Final notes before we get out of here. Nope. Me neither. Uh, so with that being said, I'll reiterate. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a safe and happy holiday to everybody who is listening and everybody who celebrates. Uh, but until next time, we thank you guys for being a part of this. Thanks for listening, subscribing, all that you guys do. But until next time, we'll see you out on the pitch. Take care. Namaste, babies. <laughs>